Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Well, welcome to everyone, particularly to Colchester. Round of applause to Colchester. Buddy St. Edmunds, we love you. We love you too, Colchester. Those that are watching online and to those of you in prisons as well across the UK, please keep those letters coming. We are pleased to receive them. Now, some of you are not going to be able to relate at all to my introduction because you've never known anything different than what we experienced already together this morning in corporate worship. But for your information, and I don't know the exact year, I just know it was in the 1970s, my wife and I, well, we weren't married then, obviously. Here's a photo of us. I think this is in 1980. <laughs> Mere babes. Some of you are looking at me saying, is that really you? That's me. I did have hair. I told you I had hair. And that was at Southport, I think it's Angie's 16th birthday. It's when we were officially allowed to go out. And I'm looking so proud and so cool. I've got my babe. I'd waited for years because her mum said no. So I think that's about 1980. So it's, 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 well, it's definitely 1980 because of the badge that Angie's wearing, 16-year-old. But in the 80s, so you can, you can take that off for now, that's enough. <laughs> I went to an event that was called The Way for Wirral. It was in a great big marquee in the Oval Sports Centre in Bebbington, Wirral, Merseyside. And I heard, for the first time, music that I did not know was allowed in church. I heard a duo called Malcolm and Alwyn. Probably no one remembers them other than me. Oh, I do, says the voice from the back, that other old guy. And they played (laughs) rock music that was kind of based on Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, and their lyrics were all about their conversion to Christianity. And what they actually did was they played guitars, and this instrument here, which is called, ladies and gentlemen, an auto harp. And I got this down from the loft this morning because I remember it's been up there for the last 30 years. And my friend and I, we made a, a band, a duet, which we called Peace. And we used to play, I used to play this instrument. It hasn't been tuned for 30 years. Anyone hear that? It's awful, it's, it's, it's dreadful. And we used to put sound effects through it. And then we started to play guitar together and we went round leading worship in different places. And I got into these albums, just for those of you that don't remember, this is called an LP. <laughs> Stands for Long Player. This is Malcolm and Alwyn. This is Malcolm and Alwyn. This is Malcolm and Alwyn. And I got into Mark Alwyn and lots of other bands. Bill Keegy, one of the best guitarists ever in the world. Got all these at home. And I got into contemporary Christian music, it became called. 
And I went back to my church and I told my pastor and the deacons and the elders and every other board that existed. And they said to me, well, be careful. Because drums are of the devil. <laughs> so that's what I was told. Now, I didn't believe them until my son started playing the drums. <laughs> that was him today. And trust me, when he was practicing every week, I was persuaded they were of the devil. <laughs> but we persevered. And people started to develop, and it went from music that we listened to to music that we sang along to, because it morphed in its expression from entertainment to corporate worship. So people like some of you have never heard of in this country, Graham Kendrick, Noel Richards, uh, yeah, some of you listened, um, John Pantry, Steve Campbell. <laughs> Told you some of you have never heard of them. We started to lead worship and write worship songs. It was called the contemporary Christian music scene. And then people that you have heard of came on the back of them. People like Martin Smith with Delirious and songs we sing today with Matt Redman and Tim Hughes and such like. And that's just in the UK. In the USA, a whole other plethora of bands and worship leaders were coming out. It became a big industry. Young people lived it, loved it. Traditionalists hated it. My pastor did tell me, and the deacons and the elders, guitars in worship, we're not sure it should happen. We, all we'd known was the piano and the organ. But the horse had bolted. Or let's say it more accurately, the spirit had moved. Something was happening so that in our generation, we were using music to express our heart, our worship, our adoration to God. It was a move of God. And here we are decades later, and we know nothing different. Many of you know nothing different, and I'm glad for you. But let me read to you a quote from a guy called Bob Coughlin in a book that he's written on worship. I haven't got the title here in my notes. And he says this, Worship has become a thing, if not the thing. It's a movement, a phenomenon, and in many places, an industry. There have been undeniable benefits. This heightened focus on worship has produced resources that help us think about it in a more biblical and comprehensive way. The outpouring of new worship songs has been astounding. Although most will be forgotten, some modern hymns show signs of being around for decades, if not centuries. Congregational singing has been revitalized and a new generation of musicians are being raised to use their gifts for the church. Young people now fill large arenas to worship God with songs that unabashedly proclaim a passion for Jesus Christ. But it hasn't all been good. Heated arguments about worship music styles have divided or destroyed congregations. Performance is often valued over participation and technology over truth. Many songs have been written by musicians who don't know their Bibles very well, resulting in songs that lack gospel and theological clarity. And then he adds this. Worst of all, worship has been reduced almost universally 
to what happens when we sing. And I couldn't agree more. Worship includes our singing. We're going to do a three-week series. Hear me. This three-week series could revolutionize your life and our corporate worship. We're going to speak about in the series the importance of our corporate worship. It's really important. Don't downplay what can happen when the saints of God come together for worship. It's been there since the very beginning of time. So God loves us together. But if we reduce worship down to just our singing and our corporate context, we've missed the very heart of it. So we ought not stop there, which is why today I'm starting with the what and a little bit about the who we worship. What is worship and who do we worship? Some of it are based on a message by Louis Giglio, which he entitled, What is Worship? Which is well worth Googling and finding out. Here's my first point. I want to say about worship. Number one, everyone worships. Worship is not limited to a certain group of people. I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 1. And I want to point out to you all that these people, which is our society, have rejected. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. That answers, by the way, the question when people say, what if no one's never heard? Everyone has some sense, innate sense. When you look at what God has created, there's a creator. Look, it's marvelous. What do I do with this wonder? I turn it to worship. goes on to say, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual immorality for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, this is a key word here, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Now hear this. And worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Now wouldn't you think they exchanged the glory of God for created things? They have idols. They stop giving glory to God. So you think, well, they must stop worshipping then. They're not worshippers. But no, Romans doesn't say this. Paul doesn't say this. He says, they worshipped and served created things. You'd think the worship would go too, but it doesn't. They'd ousted God, so surely they'd oust worship. No, if you oust God because you are a worshipper, you'll find something else to worship. You are a wonderful worshipper. It's just... You might worship the wrong thing. The key word, as I said, is exchange. They create, they exchange worship for the creator 
to created things. You and I were created to worship. Everyone worships. It's woven into our humanity. I'm going to show you a clip of a worship event. It's a wonderful worship event. But they've exchanged, and, and when you watch it, they fulfill so many of the things that you find should happen in corporate worship. that are listed for us in the book of Psalms. These people are more biblically accurate in some ways in their worship than we are. It's just they've exchanged, and they're worshiping the wrong thing. Take a look at this worship event. Okay, okay, okay. That's enough. Stop. Some of the most passionate worship I've ever seen. Grown men crying. People hugging one another. I mean, we get all embarrassed if we touch one another in worship. Men with big beards. But they've exchanged. I love Liverpool. Nowhere near as much as I love God. And I could have chose any team. It wouldn't have been as good. <laughs> could have had Cambridge. Because it's amazing what people will exchange. You and I were made to worship. You and I were made to worship. We'll probably talk about how worship should be costly. Figures from a few years ago say that Liverpool Football Club brought in 454 million to the city of Liverpool in gross value added, GVA, a measure of how much a business is worth to a local community. To the nation, nearly 600 million. There are not enough hotel rooms in a home game, and they're building more hotels which people will pay extra for at a match weekend 
and they'll travel hundreds of miles in order. It costs them their time and their money because worship should be costly. But let's make sure we do not exchange who we're meant to worship. Worship is not limited to a certain group of people. It's for us all. You, my friend, are a worshiper. It's who you are. Number two. Worship, everyone worships. Number two, worship is everything we do. One of the best books that's so accessible to understand God and his purposes for our life is a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. If you've never read it, he makes the complex very simple. And he makes some brilliant statements in there. And in his book, he writes this. You were planned for God's pleasure. The moment you were born into the world, God was there as an unseen witness, smiling at your birth. He wanted you alive, and your arrival gave him great pleasure. God did not need to create you, but he chose to create you for his own enjoyment. You exist for his benefit, his glory, his purpose, and his delight. Bringing enjoyment to God, living for his pleasure, is the first purpose of your life. When you fully understand this truth, you will never again have a problem with feeling insignificant. It proves your worth. You were created for God's pleasure. Never look in the mirror and despise yourself. Look in the mirror and remind yourself, I was made for God's pleasure. Ephesians 1 verse 5, because of his love, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children. This was his pleasure and his purpose. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I'm special. I'm special. What's that song Meg used to sing? Oh, little girl. I'm special. I'm special. I'm special. Don't you see? What's the next line? There is no one else like you. There's no one else like me. I'm special. Oh, some of you are looking at me, yeah, he's definitely special. <laughs> and some of you aren't sure about yourself. We're his special possession. Why do we exist? It goes on to say, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you do not declare the praises of God through your life, you are not fulfilling the purpose of your life. We exist to worship God. Worship is bringing pleasure to God. Let me read some more Bible verses. The Bible, someone once said, is a dictionary. It defines, and it defines worship. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Everyone say all. all. What, what, I thought worship was about singing. It says do it all for the glory of God. So while you're having a meal, it can glorify God. While you're having relationships, fellowship, friendship, you can glorify God. It's the orientation of the heart which reveals our worship. The songs we sing can be an overflow of that, but the songs we sing can also be a dead sound if the heart is far away from God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. Mark 1 verse 20, 30. 
Love, an expression of love, is our worship. Romans 12, verse 1, one of the best definitions you'll ever hear of worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What? My, my body can even be used? I'm offering my body? God's interested in my body? Oh, yes, he is. Offer it as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, it is how all embracing those words are, all for the glory, all your heart, bodies of sacrifice. Worship. When we declare what's worth most to us, we worship. And I want to say it again. I don't have to persuade you to be a great worshiper. You are a fantastic worshiper. You're amazing. It just might not be God. But you're a worshiper. But my suggestion to you is turn the orientation of your heart. Always. In there. You say, it's, it's impossible to do that. No, it's not. Because Jesus did it. And he's our example. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If Jesus did it, we can do it. But he was the son of God. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit, is to help us glorify Jesus. You can do it. Thirdly and finally, I'm going to miss a point out because of time that's in my notes. And I'm just going to go down to this fourth point in your notes on you version, but it's the third point for me. Why does this matter? Why is worship so important? Well, the Bible reveals this. There are, there are two ages. One is this present evil age, yeah, where we're living now. And the other is the age to come. I've got loads of scriptures I can't, um, can't go through. But the, the point is this. The, the future age, the age to come, invaded this present evil age in the person of Jesus Christ. Hip, hip. So the future, <laughs> so the future has come into the present. Jesus, in his very presence, brought that future age, the kingdom to come, into the now. So we can taste of those powers of the age to come. We can experience something of heaven on earth. Not in all its fullness yet, but we know it's coming because Jesus came. That's the guarantee. Our job, the church's job, is to take of that future in Christ and bring it into the present. Did I hear an amen? amen? We're to make sure, and in fact, Jesus told us, this is one thing you're supposed to pray, guys. Our Father on heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're to pray for that future to come. The reality is, many things in the future age will pass away from this age. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 3, 13, verse 8. It says this, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So it's talking about perfection, when the heaven, the age to come. There's things from this world which will pass away. There'll be no more prophecies in heaven. There'll be no need for them. 
So if your job is profit, you will be made unemployable in heaven. Next Sunday night, we've got a prophetic couple with us. Only got this email last night. They're going to come next Sunday night. We love them. We've met them at the learning communities, Tom and Susie Brock. And they texted me last night to say, the church we were going to is cancelled. Can we come to you? I said, yes, please. We need prophets in this world. So we've got them next Sunday night. Every one of you should come out and hear Tom and Susie and they'll prophesy and they're a lovely, lovely couple. But there's no job waiting for them in heaven. When they get there, they'll be welcomed and then given a P45. <laughs> what kind of welcome is that, hey? <laughs> Knowledge will pass away. Bible teachers, thank God for Bible teachers. But when we get there, we will know as we are fully known, P45. Just something about this. No evangelism in the age to come. No need. Because we know as we're fully known and we know Jesus. So that will pass away. I hate to disappoint you on this one. Marriage will pass away. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And I know some of you think, oh no, I'm disappointed in that. You won't be because you'll be satisfied in Jesus. Because the whole point of the age to come is that everything is fulfilled and surrounded and completed and consummated in Christ. So you won't be thinking, oh, I missed out or I'm missing out. You won't miss out on anything. Because you'll be fulfilled in Jesus because that's what the age to come is all about. So what will carry over? What are we going to expect? This is why it's so important we get it right in this life. Because this is going to carry on into the future age. Let me read from theologian David Peterson. He says this, Worship is the supreme and only indispensable activity of the Christian church. It alone will endure like the love for God which it expresses, 1 Corinthians 13. Into heaven, when all other activities of the church will have passed away, it must therefore even more strictly than any of the less essential doings of the church come under the criticism and control of the revelation on which the church is founded. It's basically saying this, our worship is going to carry on. Our song worship, our lives of sacrifices, our whole being, everything will, from every, every pore of our new resurrection bodies, it will emanate. Worship, worship, worship. It's all about you. And we'll be fully satisfied. That's why it's really important. Some think the devil, Satan, was a worship leader in heaven. It's, it's a little bit of a thin line to say he was that. He was definitely the most beautiful being that was created. And he was definitely a worshiper because that's what the angels did. But the thing that he tried to do was steal the glory from God. Look at me, he said. Look how beautiful I am. And it was never about him. And therefore he was thrown out of heaven. Because self and self-worship and worshipping of created things does not belong in the age to come. So let's not do it in this life. It's important because it's prophetic. Finally, this is also important because ultimately you will become what you worship. If you ever go to a Liverpool match, you'll find there's lots of Mo Salahs in the crowd. I once went to a Bob Dylan concert. 
when he supposed to be, if, if some of you think, who's Bob Dylan? He was a very famous musician in Birmingham, NEC. And I went into the loo, and I remember being at, at sorry, too much detail, I know, but being at the urinal, and I looked over, and there was Bob Dylan. And I went out to my friend Colin, and I said, Bob Dylan's in the loo. And then Bob Dylan walked out, and behind him, another Bob Dylan walked out. And behind him, they were all looking like Bob Dylan's. Because their object of their worship was Bob Dylan. You ultimately become like what you worship. You ultimately, let me finish with this psalm, Psalm 115. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, but cannot walk. But cannot feel feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. This is it. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. You become like your idols. Those who make them become like them. You become like that which you worship. If money is your God, you'll turn into currency. Every decision you make in life will be related to money. Because that's what you worship. If you worship your children, and it's unbelievable, but I've seen it time and time again. And all your energies and children are really important. They're a gift from God, but they were never meant to be worshipped. If it's your football team, whatever it may be, whatever you give the affections of your heart to, you will become like. It will dominate your life. And the only person who should dominate, it's not even yourself. It's Jesus. When you worship him, you will become like him. And that, that my friends, is the ultimate goal of creation that the whole earth will be filled with knowledge of the glory of God and that is us a people that reflect Jesus a people who are fully formed into his likeness it's discipleship who were made in his image and likeness and who fill the earth with glory. They're all praise and all honor goes to him. Lord, we pray that our worship would be more than our songs. Oh, that it would include our songs. We don't want to miss the songs out, Lord. We love singing to you. But let it be our marriages and our jobs and our families and our shopping 
and our relationships. May it all be for the glory of God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.